you could join us for this installment of clone wars an orphan black podcast my name is mike and i'm dave and we're glad you could join us as we discuss season two episode nine of bbc america's orphan black that aired on june 14th 2014 the episode's titled things which have never yet been done remember you can access this show and all our orphan black shows through both the lost girl podcast fadeless and liberate a continuum podcast so as long as you subscribe to either of those podcasts, you'll automatically receive this Orphan Black discussion in your feed. Or if you like, you can just go to continuumpodcast.com or fatalist.podbean.com to listen straight from the website. And you can also subscribe through Stitcher. All right, cool. Uh, 580,000 viewers for episode eight, which wow. is the fourth largest of the series behind just the pilot and season two's first two episodes. So Certainly encouraging. I mean, you want to finish strong, and we still haven't gotten a renewal yet, but that can't hurt. And that can't be too far off. I feel like the word is spreading, and we certainly are doing our our own part amongst our relatives and coworkers. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think anybody that sees the show is really hooked. I mean, you know, we've talked to several people that got caught up in a weekend or two. Yeah. You made a comment on Facebook, I believe, either today or yesterday about penultimate episodes yeah. often being the best. Yeah. I think I was actually quoting someone else, but yeah, I was uh, saying how sometimes as good as the finales are, the, the second to the last one is with the buildup that it has can, can be even more satisfying sometimes. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I liked best about this episode was the transformation of Donnie who, you know, really has been this bumbling, <laughs> stumbling. And even when we found out the truth of what he had been doing for the last 10 years or so with Allison, he still didn't seem like he was really all that sharp. And not completely unsympathetic, which was interesting. You would think we would all hate him at this yeah, point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, well, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, obviously, the, I think the most important storyline is the one that re really revolves around saving Cosima and a lot of really moving scenes in this episode. And, and most of them involve Sarah, who really is softening so much as, as she really is now part of this family. And outside of S and Felix, she had no family. Yeah, she's definitely sh letting her maternal instinct show. And all of the same reactions uh, you would think someone would have in a situation like that. So yeah, some some great reactions from Sarah and some great acting once again from the young actress playing Kira. Yeah. And you mentioned maternal instincts. I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to Helena, who yeah, also right. <laughs> was really exhibiting some that, and, and again, talk about a character that is really softening. Now, obviously she had a long way to go much, <laughs> much uh, further than Sarah, but Kasima's dying. And obviously the, the big question is whether or not Sarah's going to let Kira donate bone marrow. And Mike, I don't know about you. I mean, I had some idea of what was in what was involved in donating bone marrow, but to actually see it, Ugh. yeah, yeah, that, I've seen some medical dramas that have done that, and but none quite so graphic as this, especially with a young child. Oh no, and it, it really, I mean, it breaks your heart, you know, Sarah. Like that line, "What kind of mother am I?" Yeah, exactly, and such a great line, and you realize that she wants to help, but it just seems so horrible that it should come at the 
physical expense, even though she'll recover, you know, it's just a really big sacrifice for such a young person to make. And yep. the one thing that I was surprised is that the, the tooth, the baby tooth solution was so ineffective. Yeah. I mean, it didn't even seem to be slowing things down. The growths have spread to her esophagus, her kidneys, and this bone marrow treatment seems like it couldn't have come soon enough. I must be the biggest dope in the world because the last couple episodes, I was actually believing Rachel and <laughs> really? actually believing that she was going to come around and be part of the sisterhood. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah you I were. I'm, That's I'm right. a dope. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so she tells Delphine, you know, she's been lied to as well, which, you know, I guess is true to a certain extent. But I think one of the things that comes out of this episode is that, you know, there is a much, much, much bigger picture and we have no idea who is topside yeah i was gonna say we're, we're getting new names dr nealon yeah now topside i didn't know if she was referring to just the higher ups in a more generic term you think topside is an actual term i thought maybe it was some sort of code name but i it, but it you, could be. you could be right too i kind of like your idea better <laughs> but do you think delphine was kind of brought into feeling the same way about rachel like you were simply from her ego being stroked a bit as she was named the interim director of Diet. You know, I, I think she's smart enough to realize that it's a ploy on Rachel's and she just hasn't figured it out yet. I mean, obviously she falls for the computer trick when Rachel leaves her laptop there. And, and look, I, I think she was certainly caught off guard by being named the interim director, but, and, and like you said, I mean, certainly it had to feel good, stroked her ego a little bit, but I, I think she's certainly distrustful enough of Rachel to not go into this blindly but she does tell sarah that she feels that rachel is serious about forging a new relationship yeah but does she say that so that she gets the bone marrow i mean she you know look is she in love with cosima yeah and, and she might have selfish motivations that's true. right right and and i think that's a, she's really caught i mean she's caught in the middle in a lot of different ways but certainly mm -hmm. certainly that way and uh, Marion Bowles even points that out when she's talking to Rachel that did you think this was such a good choice? Uh, you know, certainly she's qualified and Rachel goes and explains, you know, well, she's telegenic and, and all of this. <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, she knows she's very controllable. Right. Manipulatable. Delphine, I, I, again, I, I guess she's, you know, I don't want to say scared of Sarah, but I, I think she understands that Sarah really controls whether or not Kasim is going to get well. And she immediately goes to Sarah and explains, you know, that she's been promoted. And of course they're extremely distrustful of the whole thing. And, and at this point we, you know, what is Rachel after? I mean, now I guess, do we have our answer by the end of the episode? Yeah. But even that, it seems more of a crazy person's view of what they should get out of this rather yeah. than a rational person that has scientific goals. Obviously, the decision whether or not to allow Kira to donate the bone marrow really ultimately rests with Sarah. I mean, she's the mom. So to say that it's really up to Kira, I mean, I don't want to say it's disingenuous. What's she going to say? What's Kira going to say? Right. And, and you know, look at everything Kira's done. In fact, Sarah even points out she, the kid pulled out her own tooth, for goodness sakes. Right. And just the way they phrased the decision, it really wasn't much of a decision. Kira was obviously going to agree to it. Right. So, um, you know, they, they've got the pediatric hospital and, you know, oh, I just happen to have a friend at a pediatric hospital that can do this procedure. 
on um, the down low almost. on the down low exactly because <laughs> well, uh, yeah. she didn't mrs s did not or none of them wanted it happening at the dyad institute itself so it's good that they were able to get this done by a third party with uh the bird watchers the ones that are actually trustworthy uh watching the door and everything so it's it is a very controlled situation and only delphine is coming back and forth at first and even yeah. she doesn't get much trust from them right and uh rachel definitely fooled me as she fooled yep. Delphine with the uh, little computer. I was totally uh, with Delphine on that one. Yep. And, I, and again, she did the, you know, she went immediately to Sarah just as she, uh, just as Rachel knew she would. And, and again, I, I guess Rachel knew that there was that enough of a rift that Sarah didn't want Delphine in the hospital. So they would have to meet outside and it was just perfect. I mean, yeah. it played right into her hands. And it, how poor Benjamin, because we immediately suspect people on the periphery like that, even though he kind of has proven himself, but because Mrs. S went after the other bird watchers at the ranch or wherever that was, Benjamin is automatically suspect. Right. And at this level, we don't, you know, fine, you deny it, but <laughs> that's what you do. You're a pro. Um, all right. Speaking of pros, we've got the, the scene in Cosima's lab, Ethan Duncan in, and Scott are trying to boot up the disc. And at first, we think it's going to fail or, or we think it fails. Yeah. Cause it's just a bunch of gobbledygook. <laughs> yeah. And, and Scott, I'm telling you, he's, I mean, as a minor character, he's awesome. And, and she, you know, at first when she makes that comment about him being a virgin, I, I'm thinking like, you know, he's a virgin to all of this type of scientific, <laughs> but no, she meant literally. And also, well, that goes right with what you said last week. Has he even, even ever been with the girl? Right. Confirmation of your suspicions there. Yep. And uh, when it doesn't work, the old shoot darn. <laughs> <laughs> shoot darn. Really? I think that's the first time I've ever heard that. But <laughs> but either way, he's brilliant at what he does. Yes. And, and uh, you know, I did look up, uh, you know, that, that cipher that Ethan mentions that he uses. And man, I don't know. It seemed pretty complicated to me. Of course, I guess any good cipher is going to be complicated. Well, uh, what's great about that is that it's got that level of encryption just to get to the the root of it. And then there's even more uh, safeguards put on it so that the guy who's sort of watching and who knows who that is kind of a slicky boy, like a young kid that's watching him uh, on behalf of Diana Institute. And Ethan's like, I'm not giving it up to anybody until I have, you know, say over who gets what. How are they going to get rid of him? That, that young guy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, he doesn't seem like he's all that, uh, of a veteran, you know, much of a veteran. Well, I know that, but he's got that, you know, he's got that cold dyad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I'm thinking of is that Paul's some kind of somehow going to return to the picture, and, ah, and, cool. and he because obviously it's going to come. Well, of course, now obviously uh, Rachel has Kira, so uh, that's certainly the main storyline. I think as we head into the season finale, but but so what does Ethan want to have happen if he doesn't want dyad? resuming the experiment is he looking just to use the sequences to save Cosima? and i'm not sure how he can do that without giving dyad the information that they would need to continue the experiments right and that's a good question and i think it raises that whole idea that that we've explored before that you know once you go this far it's really hard to stop right and to not keep going and you wonder i mean again you look at the progress he's made emotionally and intellectually from when we first met him right 
Yeah, he's like a new man. Yeah, so is he going to just be caught up in the whirlwind of scientific experimentation and progress and success? And, and the, the, look, I think we know that he's going to be able to save Cosima. Yeah, yeah. Well, I sure hope so. <laughs> right. And, well, and then I think he's just going to be really buoyed by that. And, you know, is he going to get caught up? He is, after all, Rachel's father. That's and, true. And, 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 you know, that scene where she goes into that little, I don't know, projection room or whatever it is. She sits down with her martini and she's got the, you know, the wall to wall screens and she's watching that video that, w- that we, she had in her machine at her apartment. I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. I, I, th- I thought later back when I realized that she was preparing to impersonate Sarah, that maybe she was preparing for the role by, letting some emotions in. But yeah, it's very strange to see her actually smiling while she watches that tape. And and I think it's very genuine. And so I, I don't know that it's part of a uh, role preparation. I just came up with that as a sort of a rationalization for it all. Yeah, because I, I mean, I really think it's genuine. And then it leads me to think, is she being drawn into this group? I mean, the group of the the clones, the group of the sisters. And, and obviously the others have joined it with open arms and, you know, she's got that hard British exterior and, you know, she was the one that was raised to, you know, basically run diet. And, and it's almost as if that, that tear that we see in that room, in fact, doesn't she slap herself? Yeah. <laughs> and I forget exactly what she says, but it's for like indulging st- in it. Yeah. Right. Right. Stupid, 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 or, you know, for, for getting emotional and, I don't know. I can kind of see her reestablishing some sort of a relationship with Duncan. I mean, he did. You, you see the video. I mean, they loved each other. Well, not to mention, you have to ask yourself, what does she want with Kira that's not dealing with the experiment? Because it almost seems like she's trying to make a personal connection and just doing it very badly. So is this uh, an attempt to recapture uh, human contact that she had with her parents by being trying to be a parent to Kira herself? Right. Or is it simply to uh, use Kira as some sort of a test subject to figure out? Or both. <laughs> yeah, or, or both. Right, right. Um, well, you know, we see Marion Bowles and, and obviously the, the little discussion she has with Rachel. And, and basically she's concerned that Rachel has things properly in hand, that, that she certainly questions her choice of Delphine, the fact that Delphine's uh, involved with Cosima. And that's when we get that line, tell topside Rachel is fine. And, and you know, the, again, as we're recording this podcast, the more I think about it, you're probably right. Topside just probably refers, you know, to whoever's above. That still would be a cool name, though. <laughs> Mary, it, it would. But again, it still begs the question, who's above Marion Bowles? And, and, you know, what is this whole, because obviously there's a lot more to this storyline than, than we have an idea at this point. I mean, w- what do they want to do with the clones? Right. And who is this mysterious Dr. Nealon that she asks for on the phone and mentions that she needs his expertise, her yeah. expertise? Did she say he or she? Um, I don't sure. think she did. So that's another layer to it that we don't know about that's being added at this late stage of the game. You know, the, I, I guess the end of this storyline is really, it's also the end of the episode. And, and uh, Rachel has Kira in a pink bedroom i mean obviously the antithesis of anything the the young girl has known in her entire life right and the fact that she used a pretty convincing 
uh, Sarah disguise to grab Kira straight from the hospital room. I guess the only thing that was kind of off about it was the wig, which right. was a little bit <laughs> not quite the right hairstyle, but she had the outfit correct. Right. And, and we know, though, from experience that no matter what, Kira is going to be able to tell the difference. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even if she was exactly the same as, as how Sarah looked, Kira would not have been fooled. Right. Now, she says, you may even grow to like it here, just as I did. And, you know, somewhat cryptic. You know, yeah. What, what does that mean? Where is this happening? Where are they? Yeah. So. Is it like her childhood uh, bedroom? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, pitter-patter, Mike, come on, let's get to it now. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, Allison and Donnie tonight with Leaky's body in their garage, I, I, it does it get any better than that? No, I mean, th- they gave us a little taste of it when she talked about the trunk liner and and how he wanted to dump it in a lake and, and everything like that. Well, actually, that, that was this week, but the, the trunk liner thing last week led to the great discussion between the two of them where Donnie doesn't know the ins and outs as well as apparently Allison does. Yeah. Geez, Donnie, don't you watch Dexter? <laughs> you can't just throw it into a lake. There's all kinds of scuba divers. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you know, we've seen this. I mean, early on, I think one of the first things we saw that, that seemed to throw us for a loop with Allison was when she handled a gun right? in, in, in season one. And now it's just like this cold calculating woman when she gets out her tape measure and she's going, <laughs> she's going down to the hole they've dug, and she's measuring that. She goes over the freezer, opens up, it's got the, you know, it's just like so precise with everything, just as if she was doing one of her crafts. And when, like, I'd have to say after you mentioned the gun, the fact that she can handle a gun, when did she learn how to operate a jackhammer so well? Yeah, good question. She um, pulled, she she didn't even have to look at what she was doing. I'm telling you, she did that with ease, and uh, <laughs> I I did my summer with a jackhammer, and and. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but how brilliant was it? And I guess you got to give Donnie credit here. Uh, They're on a little Skype call, the three three sisters. And finally, at the end, Allison asks, "Well, you know, what about Leaky?" And and you know, they go through the uh, well. Supposedly, had a heart attack, and of course, none of them believe that. And and they figure nobody's looking for him, and they settle on burying him in the garage. And I'm telling you, they've got a lot of skills. Uh, that, that cement work was pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, it was a very clean job. If I think if Vic hadn't shown up, they probably would have had a very easy time of it. And, and how great was that? <laughs> Vic's, he's just about to get a vantage point to look in there. And next thing you know, he's got a gun held yeah, to his head. And really, that's where Donnie starts to get it together. Because yeah. he, he told Allison, I'm not as perfectly comfortable with manslaughter as you. <laughs> and, and now he's getting into it. And he actually says a lot of the right things. You, you mentioned the Skype call and how he kind of coached her to ask about Leaky's, you know, if anyone's looking for Leaky. But he also does a great job of telling Vic and Angie how it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, even before that, though, when he when when they take Vic in the garage and they've got him kneeling down in front of the grave. Oh yeah, and the gun to his head, and he's just going, you know. And and, and if you see the the look on Allison's face, she she doesn't know. No, don't shoot him, Donnie. She thinks he's gonna do it. And of course, it has the effect on Vic that it needs to. But yeah, yeah you have to wonder if Donnie's acting at all. He might have a hair trigger. Yeah, and then he's like, "Hey, I learned from my mistakes." <laughs> You mean you weren't gonna, really going to shoot me? Not, <laughs> not accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, and oh. I, I like how Vic mentions that, oh, I hate this garage, because that's the same place that he ran into Sarah and Paul during season one and the, the whole nail gun incident. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, so they get the, you know, they get the body in, they get the cement uh, troweled off nice and smooth. Donnie draws a heart in the wet cement, and I've never been more attracted to you. And, and, and it was like, I, I, that is one thing that I did see coming, the freezer. <laughs> You got to yeah. do it. Yeah. It's like, hey, uh, hey, you got your underwear scene. Yeah. Well, a little bit more than I bargained for. Ah, uh, you did. Uh, but so. uh, also the the sheer fact that they didn't even do it in the traditional way. I think Allison was really getting risque. I mean, it, it just brings up the whole idea if they're going to do something that's a little bit off the beaten path, like say murder, yeah, <laughs> they're going to do other things uh, off the beaten path as well. Yeah. Now, you know, you mentioned in the notes about the one creepy couple and, uh, I agree, but, oh my God, well, you know, <laughs> once what we learn at the Prolethean compound, and I think we kind of knew it anyway, but it was almost like we didn't have to admit it yet. Cause we didn't know for sure. Well, now we know. And at uh, you know, so they've got the fertilized eggs and they're implanting them in Helena. And we finally learn, you know, who the father is, and it's Henrik. Yeah, and this is where it, the creepy factor, as you mentioned, just gets so ramped up because Henrik seemed to have a bit of rationality about him, where the Prolethians were a little bit too religious. He had this MIT degree or whatever, but he has an ego on him. He oh. thinks he has a calling to father all these children. And he's got everybody uh, buying into it, including Mark, uh, up right up until the end there. She's cooperative, Helena. And you, you see, I mean, while she's certainly come a long way from when we first met her, she doesn't even know what a cervix is. Right, exactly. Very childlike. You know, it's almost as if it, it, she hasn't been around children. Uh, the little bit with Kira that we saw, you know, you know in the first season, but- uh, well, even oh. in the first season when she was with that little boy. Oh, she, right, right. Even that, where she, she was kind of enjoying being with the young one. You know, then we got the scene, you know, when they take her into the nursery to show her, you know, all the kids. And we learn that they're all fathered by Henrik. Yeah. And I think, although that seems to be at least, you know, your typical polygamist. Uh, well, not really, but, you know, yeah, sure. it, it doesn't seem quite as off the beaten path as when Gracie is shown to be ready for uh, bearing fruit. And, and you think Henrik is going to ask Mark. Yeah, exactly. To, you know, marry her and, and bring, right. bring more people into the world. He actually impregnates her with his own kids. Uh, basically those are her sisters as much as they are Helena's in a way. Right. Although, uh, right. So, so it's Helena's eggs that have been fertilized by Henrik. Oh, oh my, my gosh. God. Yeah. So disgusting. It's, it's not strange. And, and, and in fact, or at least to them rather, <laughs> and, and even Mark, like we said at that point, he's still buying into it that, that, you know, he, I think they even used the word divine at one point. Oh yeah. Cause Helena says, uh, oh, Gracie says, listen, Helena doesn't even know anything about all this stuff. Yeah. And Mark just says, well, you know, to multiply is divine. Yeah. Even before that, it's like, haven't you been listening to anything my father says? <laughs> Not really. Yeah. Well, I, Helena then comes to comes up to speed pretty quickly. 
because she tells Mark rightfully that you love her like puppy, but you let him make her broodmare. And yeah. and I think Mark, having been told that, is probably more likely to come to the conclusion that he does later. Right. And I think that's really what set him over yeah. the edge. Yeah. And Gracie, for that matter, I mean, she's, again, ready to run away when Helena wants to run away. Henrik obviously catches them and, and momentarily puts a stop to it. But, uh, you know, Helena realized, I don't belong here. You had to put your own child in her. And, uh, you know, that that was... Yeah, the, why, did, why couldn't it just be Mark's father? I mean, if you're just trying to propagate Helena, you don't need to... It doesn't have to be Henrik. He just is, you know, full of himself, but... I think it's funny that once again, someone thinks that they're going to put Helena down with just a crack to the skull. No, no. (laughs) Uh, No. And so, you know, she tells them to run. And the next thing you know, we see the, you know, the, the camera blurry comes into focus and he's strapped down. And you know what's going to happen. I I don't even want to know. I mean, I mean, I know, but I don't even want to. Do you want horse baby, cow baby? Uh, And and I don't even want to think about where. (laughs) And and, yeah, yeah. anyway. Well, I just like how she's got his pipe. Uh, do I do I look like I'm trying to be funny? Uh, actually, you kind of do, Helena. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously, she tortures him, and then the next thing we see is that that she's you know maybe I don't know 600 yards from the compound. It's completely on fire, and she's carrying that canister that we assume has her embryos in it. Yeah, the remainder. Boy, and, and so is that the end of the Perlethians? Um, I think it's the end of the Perlethians. Uh, I, I mean, I certainly... Now, we don't know who else is in there. I, I can't believe she would have wanted to kill, you know, the children and, and the yeah, women, yeah, yeah. And, you know, but obviously uh, Henrik is... No more. M- Mark and, and Gracie are still out there, but yeah, that might be it for them. Right. And, you know, whether or not we see them at all... It, I'm guessing no. I mean, I think if you were going to make predictions, perhaps Mark and Gracie would try to uh, put the pieces back together and, and, you know, make the necessary changes to bring well, it. Well, there's only one episode left, so they yeah. don't really need to go into Prometheans yeah. too much. No. So, ah, uh, uh, I'm telling you, uh, I don't even know where we go for episode 10. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I, I think we'll see uh, some Kira and Rachel, and, and I want my mother and... You know. Yeah, and and get a resolution to something. Hopefully, Casima will get better, or, or or some kind of uplifting conclusion. But probably some cliffhanger stuff too. Yep. So uh, we did get uh, a piece of email though this week, right? Yeah, and and this is an appropriately appropriately placed, even though this comes to us from Mark Schaefer, who I believe is the uh, Orphan Black podcaster over at Solo Talk Media. I'm not sure about that, Mark. You might have to clarify that for us, but I'm pretty sure. And he was specifically referring to the knowledge of causes and secret motion of things a few episodes back. But he thinks that the uh, writing in this this episode in particular, but perhaps the series at large, tries to do way too much. And perhaps they actually, by extending fewer scenes, he says, the episode loses its pacing. And heaven knows there's a ton of stuff going on, and the writers have proven they can rivet our attention when they are on their game. I am coming to the conclusion, Mark says, that there's a rift between the writers who prefer action-driven story and those who prefer character-driven storylines. And Dave, I'm wondering, do you feel like this season has been less action-packed than the first season? 
Um, I do, but you you know my thoughts on that. I'm not a big action sequence guy in that, that you know, if we are going to have action scenes, I like them to be brief. But if you're talking about the editing, which I, I, I think I know what he's talking about, is, is that, again, I would like to see some scenes, you know, be drawn out a little more and, and instead of simply, you know, maybe... 30 seconds here, 15 seconds there. Right, right. And of course, we talked about the fact that you can't concentrate on all of the clones in each episode. So there's part, partly do that. And there's only 10 episodes too. But I think this season definitely had a different flavor, but I don't think it was to its detriment. No, I agree. So I'm really looking forward to the finale. Yep. Well, listen, we want to thank you guys for joining us. Mike and I will be back next week to discuss the season two finale, episode 10, titled by means which have never yet been tried. And if you'd like to send us feedback as Mark did, you can use SpeakPipe on either the Fatalists or the Liberate websites. You can also send an email to feedback at continuumpodcast.com or fatalistspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can always feel free to leave a voicemail at 773-LIBERATE-8. And we'll see you next week. Leave me in my bed I see my